Cinebuds is supported by Associated Bank. Cinebuds, Cinebuds, two buddies talking about cinema. Hey, hello. I'm 889's Justin Barney. I'm Milwaukee Films Christopher Pollard. And we are Cinebuds. This week, we are talking about Tom and Jerry. And then we're also talking about just all kinds of live animation and cartoon mashup movies. Yeah, live action animation, which sounds like jumbo shrimp, but makes sense. What is Tom and Jerry about? (laughs) (laughs) Who cares, man? (laughs) Who cares? It's a cat. It's a mouse. They hate each other. I think that was like one of the worst parts of the movie is is that they just like never explain it at all, which which I guess is like kind of the conceit when like, you know, like Tom and Jerry just like kind of hate each other. But I think the movie really suffers from it. Honestly, it has more plot than the cartoons do. You want to give us like what it is actually about? Uh, Sure. Uh, Yeah, cartoon cat, cartoon mouse. There's a a woman who uh, weasels her way into getting a job at a big fancy Uh, hotel. Yeah. So she's not really uh, qualified for the job, but she's got the job anyway. And then uh, there's a big uh, wedding that has to go on in this hotel. The couple's not sure. It's big fancy. And then the, uh, Tom and Jerry throw a wrench into everything. Yes. Good rundown. That was like a bad rundown, but it's as good as you're going to get. It's as good as you're going to get. What did you think about Tom and Jerry? Um, I don't know why I watched it. I don't, I don't know how it, what I mean is I don't know how it happened. It's on. Yeah, and because was, we had, because we also, we were not going to do this. Yeah. We were not going to do Tom and Jerry, but then we had both just watched Tom and Jerry. Yeah. It was strange. And I don't, I don't know how you stumbled across it. I don't know if you just woke up and it was on, uh, but we, I think. You we, know what it was? Yeah. It was lately I've been doing. Uh, animation movie chasers. So oh, I've been sure. doing the Paddington Chaser. If uh, I watch, like, I do like after Minari and after like Nomadland, it's like oh, yeah. you watch something like heavy, and then I'm like, I need, I need a chaser. Oh, and so yeah. I watched, I watched Minari, and then I was like, okay, I need, I need something to, I need like a palate cleanser. What's the or perfect something. pairing for Minari? Yeah, what's the perfect pairing? And then I watched Tom and Jerry, and it was like, oh, I went from watching something like so beautiful and wonderful to just like, woof. Yeah. yeah, I will say this about Tom and Jerry. I was delighted by it for the most part, just because I'm like, oh yeah, I remember they used to do this. Like right. I, the Tom and Jerry cartoons are fantastic in my memory from when I was a kid. I was very familiar with them and all the characters and all the bits they did, the eyes popping out, and you know the right, right, right. I right. can't. I can't. I'm a cat. I can't fit through a mouse hole. That's like right. That's it's hours funny. of enjoyment. That is hours of enjoyment. Yes. So those bits I really enjoyed. I mean, I thought it was very – I thought it was actually pretty well done. I mean, as an adult watching it, the live action parts are actually pretty cheesy. But uh, the Tom and Jerry parts are pretty entertaining and fun. Well, I think that that was one of the issues. And that's – it's like – that's why I want to talk about live action and uh, cartoon – what did you call them? It's weird because they they say live action animation. Live action. You kind of have to imply the slash in there. (laughs) I wanted to talk about them because it's like I feel like it's easy to like kick Tom and Jerry because it's kind of like a movie that doesn't take itself too seriously. It's like a kids movie, but I wanted to do like the larger discussion because I really like these movies. Yeah, there are ways that you can do them really well, and Tom and Jerry just like didn't do any of those things very well. I felt like 
coming out in the beginning, just like from from the beginning, the the cartoon parts and the and the human the cartoon narrative and the human narrative are just like it could have been without Tom and Jerry essentially. You know, yeah. it's like the narrative, the narrative could have just happened and then Tom and Jerry are there. Right. So, and then like when you, the, when you mix cartoon action and, and live action, um, they have to like intersect with each other. And the cartoon, it was like at the beginning, they're like, they're in Central Park. They're surrounded by a ton of like real people. And then uh, Jerry smashes Tom's head into his body. And, <laughs> I mean, and like, you just saying that made me happy. <laughs> I know because it's like, it's a kind of like, it's a kind of cartoon animation that works really well in a cartoon world. But then when it's happening, like in the middle of a bunch of strangers in central park, it's gruesome. <laughs> if it was the live action part that where that happened, where it was sort of like a David Cronenberg movie, yes. that would be very upsetting. To be clear, that's not what that is. <laughs> yes. And there are movies that do that very well. And they do like mix the cartoon and the live action and they like yeah. intersect in a way that feels more organic. But this movie just like felt so separate. Yeah. That it was it was really tough. And the live action parts were so cheesy. Oh, and the, yeah. the and live the action parts, was, if that was on its own, would be would be uh the worst. There are really good ones, and we're gonna talk about we're gonna talk about the really good ones after the break. Support for Cinebuds comes from your membership and Associated Bank. Proud supporter of Milwaukee Film and offering support year-round through Milwaukee Film Checking. More about Associated Bank's commitment to the Milwaukee community at AssociatedBank.com. Member FDIC. Did you know that the majority of 88.9's work is funded by members? That's why we can bring you such diverse programming through music, stories, and this podcast. Visit RadioMilwaukee.org and click the orange heart to become a member today. Okay, Christopher. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We back. We are. Do you, do you want to go? Do you want to go farther into Tom and Jerry, or do you want to go into? I don't think we need to go too far. I will say overall, I actually did enjoy the movie for what it was, and I, again, I think is mostly reliant on the cartoon parts, the interaction yeah. of the characters I'm familiar with, and the gags I like, and. And even then some slightly updated versions of that. And that was enjoyable. Uh, Rob Delaney plays the uh, the manager yeah, of the does. hotel. And I, really, I, I do really like him. I love him. It, I love he's, him. He's not used well in this movie. Like, he's just like this stiff right. kind of character. Which yeah. is like, why do you hire him and not let him be funny? <laughs> and I know, yeah. right? But yeah, the, the live action parts are pretty cheesy and... There was like a couple of funny moments of live action. That I think I chuckled at, but mostly it was just, it's good for the, for the cartoon stuff. It'd be great for kids, I think. Okay. So I, I watched Tom and Jerry and then like one of the reasons why I wanted to talk about this and have this as a subject is because, um, I watched Tom and Jerry. Well, I was not moved. And, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but then a couple days later I watched Sonic the Hedgehog. Oh Yeah. Did you so see the, it? Here's the interesting thing is like, we're, <laughs> I don't want to date myself too much, but Tom and Jerry is very much something I saw when I was growing up. And Sonic the Hedgehog is definitely something you probably grew, grew up with. Um, no, not really. I mean, I mean, it would have, if I would have chose to oh, okay. uh, interact with that, but you I never, aware I of it, it was on like PlayStation an and I didn't like, yeah, I didn't okay. like have that no I, like, I, I did not see sonic the hedgehog i had heard a lot of 
uh, criticism. This is what I'm saying. Yeah. I went, I went into it thinking, okay, I remember they had him like, it was a really weird animation and, uh, that was like a big, there was like, do you remember that drama? Yeah, there was a, that like, there's a Twitter backlash. Yeah, which, and then like Twitter which put it on pause forever. Yeah. Which put it on pause forever. And they had to like redo like every single scene with, <laughs> with him. And it was like, it was really, it was like the studios like giving into Twitter. It was a real yeah. like moment on the internet where like Twitter won because they had like made fun of Sonic <laughs> so hard. And then like the studios like went back into the shop and redid it. And uh, I think because they had like given in, I think the conceit was that Sonic was like, it was still going to be bad doomed, or it's just yeah. like, it, yeah, it was just, it was doomed. And so I like went to watch it just like at the end of, uh, of a night and it was so good. Really? It was, it was like, it was kind of like, it, it was so glad that I watched it, like right after Tom and Jerry, because it was like, here's everything that, didn't work about Tom and Jerry. Like it all works in Sonic. Oh, it's not like, it's not like a masterpiece, right. you know, it, but it was like, it really, it really worked for what that is. And I think it like really understood the medium. Sonic was really good because it starts off and immediately they did some world building into Sonic. Unlike yeah. Tom and Jerry, where it's like never explained why they hate each other or why they are like trying well, so viciously. I to will kill say each there's other. just an underlying understanding that uh, cats and mice don't get along. And, I mean, I think that's yeah. uh, that's easier world to build because it's already been built. <laughs> like, yeah. cats, cats and mice don't get along. Why these two particular ones don't? I don't know, but it's just that's the general conceit. That but, is. And so I think Sonic did like a really great job of like doing some world building really fast. It was yeah. like the opening scene is like five minutes long. It's like, all right, I understand where Sonic is coming from. I understand what he's doing. I understand like what he's got to do. I understand yeah. the mission he's got to accomplish. So it was like really good character development right away. And I was like, whoa, <laughs> I was like, oh, that, that that's working. What is the, what is the humor like in the movie? Well, that's the, also that's the thing that works really well. So it's like Sonic is, uh, he is like an over energetic 12 year old okay. and he is like kind of annoying in the way that like over energetic 12 year olds are, but he's also like kind of enduring in the way that over energetic, over energetic 12 year olds are, you know, he like really kind of like fit that role well. And he's like, got all this rambunctious energy. And then he uses it in a way that like, uh, you know, like that a kid would that really made sense. And then, also, you've got the villain, which is played by Jim Carrey. And uh, Jim Carrey, I think he does what a lot of these movies do really well, is that he is he's a cartoon. He's a real, oh, yeah, he's yeah, a right. real life, he's a living cartoon. Sure. And, and so he like really leans into his like cartoonishness. Yeah. And I think that's like what Who Framed Roger Rabbit does really well is it like it blends those worlds and the the real life is as much cartoon as the cartoon is and the cartoon is like as much real life as real life is. And those like that boundary is a little more, you know, it's, you can, you can go between it a little easier. Well, that's good and to then know. The humor, but then the humor, like the jokes really worked. The jokes were, the jokes were appropriate for the time. They were, the jokes were self-aware. The jokes were, uh, there was like, 
self-deprecating. Yeah. Jim Carrey, like as a villain, not only is he cartoonish, but his you don't like him as a villain because he thinks that he's smarter than everybody. And that's his whole thing is thinking that he's so smart. And isn't that annoying? You know, mm. and it is like, that's what really works about him is that he's like, honestly, he's annoying because he thinks that he's so much smarter than everybody else, which like makes him like a perfect villain. Cause you're not, he's not like diabolical. He's just arrogant. You know, here's what I'll say about, uh, this kind of situation. Mm-hmm. I cherish nothing more in the movie world than low expectations. Yeah. Low expectations yeah. makes so, <laughs> makes garbage into greatness. I don't know that it is garbage. Like it could be great, but I mean, you, you could ruin something by going in when having high expectations and some, a similar film. It's not exactly live action animation. However, it's similar to Sonic in the sense that, uh, it was panned, completely panned by critics forever. And right. a friend of mine said, no, you know what? You really should watch it. It is, it is better than you think. And it was um, Speed Racer. Yeah. It won the Razzie Award. It was supposed to be like the worst movie of the I year. I remember that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Speed I remember. Speed Racer is so good yeah. uh, in many ways. I won't go into it because it's really not a part of the theme. But it's like that's the thing. Tom and Jerry, whatever. I didn't really want to watch it. I didn't know I was watching it until I was watching it. And I was like, yeah, it's fine. Uh, and there's another movie I'll talk about in the what else have we watched? Similar. Sure. But yeah, this kind of thing is perfect. You just go in and like, oh, it's actually not bad. But also, some t- it's, not, it's not always the key because it's like I didn't have high expectations for Tom and Jerry. It's true. I had very poor expectations for Skyscraper, but you <laughs> forced me to see it. But you know, you know, sometimes it's like, so Tom, Tom and Jerry, I had low expectations, and then the those low expectations were not. <laughs> they were met. <laughs> they were they were met. Yeah. So it's no, not it's, it's not, not a cure all, like, but it it, yeah, it does it can help on occasion, which is great. It can help, and I and I do think that that is I I do think that's what helped me with Sonic. Yeah. Is is but also it's but it's not it's not just that my expectations were 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 low. No, but it is helpful. It's, it's that it did it did it defied. It defied the expectations because it was like it was it legitimately worked right. as, as a movie. Well, better that's than what I'm, that's mostly it. what is, I think it is. It's like you can't be a g- genuinely crappy movie, otherwise you'll see it. But if it's yeah. one of those things where it's like too hyped up and then it's hard to like hit it, hit that level. So it's mm-hmm. nice. I prefer to go the other way. Yeah. Oh okay. boy. L- l- Let's go let's go back into like the history of live action animation. I was like what is the first one and I found it. Oh yeah, what's that? The it, the it, there was like a bunch of it was like well what is really the first what cuz it it gets like what counts, you know? If you have like a drawing in a movie yeah. or like whatever, the first one that I could find is The Enchanted Drawing, which is oh. done in the year 1900. And uh, I watched it and it was, it's basically, it's a guy doing a drawing in real life. And then he like, he like draws uh, like a glass of, he draws like a bottle of wine and a glass. And then he like pulls them out of the, off the drawing. And it's like, it's like that early animation. Like they're trying to like figure it out, you know, like experimentation. And so it like, it's fun. It's fun for like 1900. That's really good. 
Yeah. And then there was like some stuff like that. And then kind of like the big, there was like zippity doodah and like Disney was like exper experimenting with this. But then the really the first big one that has it is Mary Poppins. Spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down. The medicine go down. Medicine go down. Just a spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down. There's, there, there's one that Disney did that I won't mention that uh, uh, is no longer in circulation because it is horrific. Zippity Doodah. <laughs> well, Song of the South, which I think is Song of the Zippity South. Doodah was from. Song yeah, of the yeah, South, yeah. super racist. And But it came yeah. up on the list as I was looking. I was like, oh, no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Oh, go ahead. My dad is upset that they are changing Splash Mountain at Disney. <laughs> he gets it. And I was like... <laughs> Dad, Dad you're wading into shallow water. I know. I had a conversation about Song of the South with my mom because I remember seeing it in the theater, and I am not old. Oh, I am not old enough to have to have seen it in the theater when it came out. So there must have been like in the early '80s, like a oh, uh, they must have shown it again in the Missouri theater. was just like, oh, well, Missouri was look yeah. at the great these great movies oh, from our history. You can imagine Missouri wants to show that like twenty four seven. But I, I saw it and had no knowledge of, I mean, I was like maybe uh, four, you know, yeah. or six maybe. And yeah. so I didn't really absorb the problems. Um, but I do distinctly remember seeing it in the theater and then later on discovering what the problems were with that movie. And then I was yeah. talking to my mom about it and I said, you know, that movie is like crazy racist. She goes, well, I didn't know that. What's racist about it? And because she wasn't thinking of the details. And then I listed them and she's like, okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't seen it because it's been like, you know, they scrubbed it or whatever. Yeah, they don't. I mean, I don't think it's in circulation. I think it's on Disney Plus. As it should be. Right. Um, so, yeah. So Disney Disney was like tinkering around and they, they did some of it, but then it, they really hit with Mary Poppins in 1964. Yeah. And uh, I mean, that that is an iconic movie. That is an iconic scene. But it is... It is really. It's more of a. It's more of a scene. It's not. Yeah, that's what I've been noticing. Is there's a lot of films that when you look up lists of like live action animation films, there's a yeah. lot of films where it's just a portion of it is animated. They don't really yeah. interact, or there's one one scene of interaction. But in my mind, there aren't really that many that I came across that are a full movie of full <laughs> fully integrated live action and animation. It's actually there a much smaller list. It is a it is a much smaller list, and yeah. I, I'm glad that you bring that up because I was looking at that too, and I was like, okay, Osmosis Jones, Ugh. you know, does this count? Because I liked Osmosis. Did Jones, you really? Yeah, I was a kid when it came out, okay. though. Well, so it was, yeah, like Bill Murray's in it. Oh, sure, 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 sure. But uh, some of those, it's like, okay, you got a scene of live action at the beginning, right. and then it just like goes into animation, and, yeah. and, and then you like cut, and they and the those like never interact. That doesn't really feel like it counts. Yeah. And then there's also like, there was a, like a bunch of lists that had like claymation and uh, okay. I love claymation. Uh, like James and the giant peach was like cited as being, see, that's famous. interesting. I, I have like, no problem mm -hmm. if it claymation being considered animation. Cause it is, but it has to integrate. It's just like, there's a scene of live action and then most of it is cla like claymation. And then there's live action again, isn't it? Uh, dude, I don't. I, do I saw that remember. movie, and I don't recall it being in where the live action animation was integrated as much. It's mostly just yeah, yeah. See, yeah, the, yeah. the lists were really, really 
reaching. Yeah, they were. But it's so so the really you know the biggest and most important like still even today and a perfect representation of true integration of animation and live action is 1988's Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Drink the drink. But I don't want the drink. He doesn't want the drink. He does. I don't. You do. I don't. You do. I don't. You do. I don't. You don't. I do. You don't. I do. You don't. Listen, when I say I do, that means I do. Yeah, that's the best example of this for sure. I don't it think, is the I best don't think example. anyone else has done it better and just gen- done it better and then genuinely just made a good movie. What what do you think sets Roger Abbott apart? I mean, I, one it's a wor- it's like it's the world is based on the idea of yeah. live action like real people and tunes. It is a world interacting. Yeah. yeah. Um much like the terrible Happy Time Murders movie that we watched a few years ago, we did a show on where they integrate Muppets and humans into oh, the yeah. same world. Did did do it as well, but yeah, it do they do it really well. The sense of humor was like dead on, where you played on the cartoon aspect and the frustrations of humans with that cartoon aspect. Um, yeah, and the sense of humor was good. The animation was fun. The, all the various characters they had, it just did a they did a good movie, and they fully blended it together. Yeah. It is, it is, they're truly living side by side and the stories are integrating, the characters are interacting with each other. Unlike Tom and Jerry, where it was like they, those both like plots were existing in parallel yeah. universes that were like kind of like crisscrossing on occasion. They were like, who friend Roger Rabbit is intertwined forever, number one, you know, yeah. the best of the best. And then that kind of like kicked off this uh, live action uh, animated kind of like boom in the 90s uh, when I was watching a lot of these movies and some of them that I really love. So 1991's Rock-A-Doodle is... Oh, absolute, you've talked about that before. I know because I it guess is... I need to see that. So, it's so... You don't because I tried to rewatch it oh, uh, a couple yeah. years ago and the like the female character is just like... It's hard to watch. It does not. Uh, it doesn't it, hold it up. It doesn't like. It, it doesn't. It doesn't really hold up. But, I tried uh, to watch. I tried to watch Cool World last night as I was going to bed. Oh yeah, dude, that was one that I saw, and I was like, I that looks like it could be. It could be interesting because it's like more adult. Yeah, it's very adult. It's very adult. Actually, how did this get made? Did a podcast on it, which is always a red flag, but or a good red flag. Sure. Um, I. Uh, watch. I only watched the first like fifteen minutes of it. <laughs> it starts out real dark, like a guy, his mom dies in an accident, and they go right into cartoon world right after that. And I was like, that's a hard, that's a hard, that's a hard turn. mountain to climb. Yeah, um, yeah. And then the bits, and then I watched a little bit more, and it was like, wow, this pacing is really strange. Um, and then apparently there was a part at one point where Kim Basinger decided she wanted it to be a kids movie. Kim Basinger okay. decided that she didn't direct or write the film, but halfway through she changed her, the way she performed it. Oh, so it makes very little sense later on, which I, I want to watch the whole thing just so I can kind of see that happen. But yeah, sure. that one is clearly trying to be, it's like a ripoff of who framed Roger rabbit. And they did, right. they didn't really do it that well. Dang. And then other ones like in the nineties, 1994's page master, that yeah. movie scared me as a kid but i also loved it because it was like a 
It was a movie about books. We got to yeah, do that. Episode. We should do that. Oh, it I want to movie about. Yeah, I want to do. I want to do a movies about books episode for sure. But then probably <laughs> the second best known and uh, and regarded one, probably just under Who Framed Roger Rabbit, 1996's Space Jam. Yeah, Space I know Jam's your everywhere. feeling on Space Jam. Yeah, it just it didn't catch me at the right time. I saw it like literally this year. <laughs> right. <laughs> and yeah. But Looney Tunes also did another one that I did not see. It's called Looney Tunes Back in Action. Yeah. And it seems like Looney Tunes kind of like gets the format a little more. And uh, I mean, Space Jam is an absolute classic. It does like such a good job of integrating the real world and the cartoon world. They go in between each other. They like, they cross and they intersect. It's like, it's so interesting. It's so good. It follows like all the lines. They're doing a, they're doing Space Jam 2 now. Have you followed any of that? I saw, saw like a trailer or a teaser or something, some images or something. Um, I'm not as excited as a, a lot of people are. <laughs> right. I, yeah. I'm a huge basketball fan and yeah. I also like loved the first one. And, and I think like, so the original Space Jam was really great because it just followed the career of Michael Jordan. He had a very interesting career. He mm-hmm. was like at the top of his game and then he retired to go to play baseball and it like played on this like strange... Right. Him like going and then his his triumphant return. And it was like it was singularly and totally based on the career of Michael Jordan. And I was like reading the plot for this new one with LeBron James. And LeBron James has had a very similar and, and a very dramatic career arc. He was in uh he was in Ohio. He was playing he was born in Ohio, played for Cleveland, couldn't win a championship, betrayed them. Went to Miami, won a bunch of championships, came back to Cleveland, won a championship with Cleveland, heroic, and then he left to go to L.A. and then won a championship in L.A. His is he's got the dramatic story arc, and it doesn't Justin, look like gonna- I know what you're doing. You're just trying to transition to basketball buds. <laughs> and if I've said it once, I've said it hundred times, not going to happen. It is not. So okay. We'll, we'll, we'll cover that another this day. It's a very good history of live action animation, but we have passed up a pinnacle film. Oh boy. That we oh need to boy. return to. And that is from the sixties. And it's called the incredible Mr. Limpet. So, oh my God. How did I forget the incredible Mr. Limpet? Well, I will tell you why you may have pushed it out of your mind. I watched it last night and oh there's a lot of nazis in it isn't there well there are nazis but they're the villains as they should be to the okay. year 2020 <laughs> just a reminder I nazis wa- are bad <laughs> i think i watched it a couple of years ago and i was like wow no, there are a lot more nazis than i remember there's definitely nazis in it they're the enemy as should be however here's the real problem with this movie First oh, of all, no. I watched it. No, no, no. Listen, I watched it and I really enjoyed it. Don Knotts starring the unbeatable Don Knotts. You had more who, Don Knotts in my life. This is a really weird performance. He's a straight up weirdo in this movie in, I guess, an entertaining way. <laughs> but I don't know how to say this on our podcast, which is family friendly. But this guy wants to have sex with a fish. Like, <laughs> not even... <laughs> Not even just while he's a fish. <laughs> I mean, he starts out the movie horny for horny fish. for fishes. He is looking at. He's obsessed with fish. He's married to a lovely lady who can't get his attention because he's obsessed with fish. 
But he's got those like cool contraptions. He's got like the fish in the water tank. Yeah, it's got the- uh, like this weird big hose that feeds it, and he doesn't know how to modulate it. Uh, yeah. He's and he is very knowledgeable. He has a chart that comes down from his window about different periods of evolution uh, yeah. of fish. Uh, so he's like a nerd for fish. But there's a song I wish I was a fish, and it, fish talks about. I mean, it's essentially him being very flirty about fish and how they look, and the way he stares at them. And he's like, oh, I just wish I could be a fish. And he talks about how beautiful they are. And I started going, Hold up, Dundas, what's going on? Hold up, this guy's yeah, horny this guy, for fish. This guy's horny for fish. So he and the thing that I had forgotten because I saw it as a kid, he does not uh, like through some like military program become a fish or like science he just becomes a fish because he wants to wow <laughs> some i love that magic thing that he falls in the water all of a sudden he's a fish no one explains he just wanted that. it so bad and so i was <laughs> if we talk about the live action animation part it's really nice it's like pretty good for that time there was a moment where you're seeing you can see through him as a fish and you can see the water <laughs> behind him yeah but most of the time it was pretty solid um, it was entertaining and strange. There was a lot of parts that were really a little cheesy, but I was very entertained by it. But, oh, boy, it was so much more interestingly disturbing than I thought it was going to be. You do bring up an interesting point in a lot of these movies, which is being horny for cartoons. Oh, I, I mean, you that happens. <laughs> you bring up. That happens they're all horny for fish. That, ha- <laughs> that happens in Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Yeah. Um. I think in Cool World. <laughs> I will be honest. When I was a kid, and even as a kid, I thought, how do a humans and cartoons make out? Like, how does that work? Wow, yeah. Show me the science. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, I, I, I felt the problem. And then in Cool World, they talk about, uh, Kim Basinger's character says, you, when you f- touch something, you can actually feel it. So the concept in that world is that they can't actually feel things, I guess, because they're two-dimensional. Oh, my God. Do, are we skipping the B movie? Oh. Where what? there's some sexual tension in the B movie, too. Oh, you mean the B-E-E movie? Yeah. Oh, I did not see that movie. Oh, my God. Jerry Seinfeld? Yeah. You missed you missed that? They, oh, yeah. <laughs> I've this, seen his entire canon. It's not, it's not, it's not. <laughs> what is going on? Why is this a through line in all these movies? It's a through line in life. Remember the short, the dolphin from. Oh the yeah. Honestly, I thought about that the entire time I was watching Lister Limpet. I mean, if that taught me anything, it taught me to think very liberally about love and attraction. <laughs> I'm not sure that's the message they were intending, but uh, <laughs> love is love, man. Love is love. Whether it's, you and a dolphin. Yeah, guys, search out the film Dolphin Lover. It's a short it's film. Great. Unless it's, you want to sleep ever again. And then Dolphin Lover is in the Milwaukee Film Hall of Fame. That's true. It is one of the most talked about short films we've ever shown. Yeah, great. And uh, rightly so. Kareem, Kareem Tepsch is the uh, director, and he's great. That's that's all I got for yeah. live action. Mr. Limpet really is going to give me pause for a while. Sure. Um, I, I need a I need a chaser from watching this animation. Yeah. I mean there are I think, you know, our conclusion at the end is that there are movies that do this very well. And like anything, there you know, there are movies that do it well and there are movies that, that don't do it so well. And we want to see movies that yeah, you know, it's do interesting well. because it's an interesting idea. I can see why people were hot for the idea of doing it. 
It's yeah. amazing how few people have actually done a legit yeah. live action animated movie and yeah. how few people have done it well. Yeah, totally. So, yeah, but it is a really fun. It is a really fun genre. Yeah, you know, like when it's done well, it's done really well. Who Framed Roger Rabbit, Space Jam. Like, I think that's why there's so much thirst for Space Jam too, because it's such a fun. It's such a fun world to live in. You know, yeah. humans interacting with cartoons, cartoons interacting with humans. It it is like this. It's for adults and it's for kids. It's a it's it's just it's a really fun My place. Guess, to yeah. live in. My guess is that the concept of it is great, but they haven't really explored, like they've stuck to a couple tropes when they have movies of live action animation. It's mm-hmm. usually the interaction of, oh, cartoons. And usually someone's together. horny for a cartoon. Yeah, horny cartoons are horny for cartoons. <laughs> but they haven't really tried anything beyond that in that realm. And I, I imagine it's a hard sell because it probably requires a decent budget. But if you want to experiment yeah. and do something weird with it, it's going to be hard to get that together. But yeah, let's hope it does one day. Yeah, and you can't just throw them together like Tom yeah. and Jerry. It's just, just like, what if we put people into in the middle of this madness? Yeah, and it did not work. Yeah, okay. Tom and Jerry, time for our favorite segment. Yeah, Christopher Pollard. What else are you watching? I had a double feature last night. Oh, little, little oh, feature. I'm sorry. I got to quickly mention. I did not mention this. Uh, just Google Incredible Mr. Olympic trailer. <laughs> <laughs> There's a trailer where this guy who is apparently has a radio show does this like three minute introduction with just him sitting at a desk talking about the movie. And it's like it's one. It's like he was drunk, like 50s or 60s drunk, just kind of oh, casually boy. older man uh, drunk at a desk hey. talking about it. He like yeah. kind of stumbles over what he's saying. It's so mm-hmm. unprofessional. And he's got candy corn for teeth. But it's very uh, very entertaining uh, trailer. Interesting. Interesting. So, watch that. And then I'm like, I'm not tired. So I thought, I'm going to forget about, like we said, low expectations. I'm going to forget mm-hmm. about everything I've heard about this movie. And I'm going to watch Coming to America. Oh, okay. Yeah. Because we were originally scheduled to do this. And we were going to do it. And then I listened to, I listened and read a couple reviews. And I yeah. was like. I do not feel comfortable talking about the issues. No, it's been yeah, it's movie been kind of panned. It's, it's just kind of panned, and if like we're just gonna like be talking about, if we're just gonna like sit here and have nothing redeemable to right, say, right? Right. Yeah. Now, okay. the, and the sad part too hit is me, that hit like, me with it. we wanted to watch it because Coming to America, the original, is such an iconic movie, especially for me. I love that movie. We showed it as a member screening, and it went well. Um, and I thought, oh, this would be good to talk about both of them. And then I was like, so sad that I heard it was bad. And I was like, well, I kind of expected it because, you know, a remake or a, or a follow up or whatever. Yeah. Then I heard somebody online talking about how it's actually not as bad as everyone says. And there's actually some great stuff in it. So I watched it. Um, I really liked it. Okay. And I liked it for a couple specific reasons. I get the criticism. I get that the conceit of it is uh, is kind of like typical it's kind of slightly replaying the theme of the first one mm-hmm. um with new some new characters and it, there's some cheesy stuff in it too for sure however yeah. like this it, the movie the reason i liked it so much is a celebration of the first film yeah it really is- feels like everyone came together to make a movie and celebrate with each other maybe they haven't seen each other in like 30 years and to celebrate the first movie because there were so many cameos. So many people from the original movie were in this movie. I heard a lot of just like jokes, just 
pulled right from the first one. Oh, yeah, but they did it in a way, not like in movies where they're just like, let's just reference, do the same thing we did in the first movie. Let's reference the old one and then still do <laughs> do it really well. Like the barbershop scenes, mm-hmm. uh, which are iconic mm-hmm. in the first movie. Oh, yeah. They had a couple of those, and I cracked up laughing. It was so funny. Wow, that's so good to and hear. And they brought back Randy Watson and Sexual Chocolate. <laughs> Uh-huh. <laughs> Which is another thing. But all the like all the familiar characters came back. Even like minor characters that sometimes even have lines were like the original ones from the movie. It was kind of exciting to see. The and the the general plot of it is fine. It's kind of what you expect from like a standard comedy. But the thing that makes it good is that the, there's a lot of jokes that are there are a lot of bits and a lot of jokes that are genuinely hilarious. And then the new people they bring in, which is like uh, Tracy Morgan, Leslie Jones. Leslie Jones is hilarious in this movie. Yeah, she she's great in general. So yeah. I I laughed a ton during this movie, and it also That's made me feel hear. so good about the first one and how much I loved that. And there were some amazing um, uh, cameos. And I, I don't want to talk too much about them, but there was a ton of cameos, and definitely watch until the very very end of the credits. Oh, that's very fun. So yeah, I was very pleasantly surprised. Again, I had low expectations because I heard it was bad. But then yeah. someone on Facebook who I trust said, actually, it's really good. So Okay. Wow, that makes me happy. Yeah. Um, I watched the new Disney movie, Raya and the Last Dragon. Oh yeah, I want to see that. And it was it's I feel like it's too bad that it didn't that it's not going to get the promotional push that it deserves and it's yeah. not going to get the hype and it's just kind of like dampened by the pandemic because Ray and the Last Dragon is a really good movie. Really? That's awesome. Yes. It is it uh it shows the world of of like it takes place in like Southeast Asia and uh, uh the story is really compelling really like it does a ton of like world building it kind of takes place in like five different locations and there's like for each location there's like a title card uh, like comes up that like names the location then you like see it from like a far pan and every single time it did that i was just like okay let's go and then (laughs) because it did it was so it was so visual and it was so uh it was so well done in this world building in this place that you just wanted to be in i think that's like the best disney movies like take you to that magical place and like it took you there aquafina is the is the last dragon and she does such a great job as the last dragon she's kind of like it's she's like kind of goofy kind of silly adds like a perfect kind of comedic drop and then they have like a whole group of sidekicks that are all like kind of like fun in their own little tiny sidekick attribution way yeah it was it was it was really really well done i was like so i was so happy to watch it i can't wait to like rewatch it it was it was really good i do i'm more excited about disney films and pixar films these days now that they're they're starting to break out of the same old mold and what i've always liked about those movies are the side characters like the main characters are serve their purpose but it's always those little characters yeah i get so excited about like the, I agree. Who a uh, key and peel in uh Toy Story oh my 4? God. Oh, they stole the show. And they didn't they do like a straight to video sort of thing with them, just them. 
I, they did a short with a oh, short. Yeah. Okay. Say so, uh, it's always those characters that you pick out that are the, totally. the best parts and those little gags and stuff. It's, it's rarely for me, the main story, except for like yeah. Wally and like stuff like that. But um, yeah. yeah, I think those are the, I get most excited about. So I can imagine, I can imagine uh, with this kind of film, that's going to, yeah. I'd really like to see it. This Ray and the Last Dragon didn't have any songs. I do, I do like a Disney movie that has songs. I think yeah. it, like a lot of times, like it pulls it and makes it like kind of bigger. Yeah. Um. And and it did. I know some people don't like the songs, but it uh, could go either it, way. It didn't, but it, it did like a lot. Of, it had to do a lot of. It had to do a lot of work with the plot. So yeah. I, I understand. But yeah, Ray and the Last Dragon coming to America. Yeah, I'm so happy that you liked it. I also do love a movie that. It, integrates uh the number into the title oh i think you are so obsessed with this title <laughs> coming to america you have to it's really hard to differentiate from the first one vocally you gotta really push the two <laughs> i like it i will say this about the movie eddie murphy was just sort of flat um sure and I, um he's fine uh, but except when he does characters, when he does Eddie the character, he is flat. He's been flat for a while. Honestly, I've seen him. He just seems like tired, mm. but mm. he's fine. It's really not about him so much in this movie as much. Um, but when he does his characters, he's just as good as like back when they made the original ones, like the characters back, he does are back when he was up. doing Norbit, you know? <laughs> yeah, pre Norbit, <laughs> pre Norbit. Hey, what? Was I thought Norbit a, was the heyday. Uh, yeah, no, Doctor Doolittle. A lot of people say Norbit was the pinnacle Murphy, but mm-hmm. I'm going to go back a little further. All right, fine. This has been Cinebuds. Cinebuds is edited by DJ Kenny Perez. Get out of here. We get handcrafted sonic inspiration from the License Lab. Yep. We our theme song is from Milwaukee <laughs> musician Brett Newski. I thought you had mixed that. I thought it was like we. The news. Um, Associated Bank is back. Yay, Associated Bank! Thank you, Associated Bank. And we also get support from our members at Radio Milwaukee and Milwaukee Film. I want an eight by ten photo of all of you signed to me. And we could not do this show if it were not for the love, the care. He does so much research. The man is working 24-7. This guy cares about movies. The one, the only, Christopher Biden. Oh, that was a surprise. It's about time someone give me the credit I deserve. It is. We don't do it often enough, Christopher. It is a long road. Bye. Bye.